What's going on guys? Welcome to the Coffee with Sam podcast. I'm here with my freshly made brew, coffee, a little bit of milk, no sugar. Um, can you all see my new light? Can you, can you all see this? I'm up in my studio game just for you and people who are listening on the podcast. I have a nice, bright, new blue light behind me. I'm trying to make my studio easier on the eyes. Deb is back on from last week from Your Mind Matters. And we are talking everything, mental blocks and the fear of failing. Let's get into the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? I'm good, Deb. You? Yeah, I'm really good. Can't mind. Yeah, you've got some new colour in your hair. Yeah, I put a bit of pink in it. I thought, why not? But then it doesn't really work with not bleach, not joining that whole craze on background <laughs> everywhere else. Of shaving your head and bleaching your hair. That's such a typical thing that people do when they're stuck or they're not okay. That's psychologically very normal to do, as is overeating, eating, boredom, monotony. They're all quite funny. They're all typical. Oh, well, I hope I'm okay, but I'm just going to shave in mine because my grey's really coming through and I've got nowhere <laughs> to get it cut. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? If you've got short hair, you will not be able to get it cut for quite a few months. That's why everyone's doing buzz cuts and stuff. And it's quite, I get it. It's just quite funny, isn't it? Like the amount of friends who said to me, I'm thinking of going bald. And I went, I rocked it last year. Just <laughs> yeah, well, they started doing it for that. Jess, haven't they? have raised like £23,000 already or something. But... Amazing. Amazing. I, I would join in, but my uh, my soft spot never formed properly, so I've got like a double shaped head. Have you? But I don't like being bald. <laughs> and that would be make you vulnerable as well if it never formed. Does it? Is it? Is there an actual soft spot left? Uh, no, no, it just it didn't like. I know everyone's got a funny shaped head, but it didn't go up. It stayed in its lowered like position. So I've got like a a wave in my head, but I have it shaved. Looks quite funny to be honest. <laughs> Why not? But if my grey keeps coming through even more, I might have to shave it off. Or a Mohican or something. <laughs> yeah. Grey is a real trend, don't knock it. Grey is in. Yeah, it's just patchy. <laughs> if it was all grey, I'd be alright. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's such a weird colour, although I put some pink in it. Like it's like, there's grey at the ends, there's a bit here, there's a bit How's your wheat been? Yeah, it's been good. Like, it's, I, I joined in in Bloom yesterday. Um, oh, so that's me to do, yeah, sort of like her woman's conference thing. And that was so cool because there were like 100 people on it, like different coaches and gyms and, and from all over the world. And that was just so cool to talk to different people and to be invited to do a slot like that was so nice. And Lisa and Kenny are very supportive of other gyms around the world and they like to do stuff. It's their life, isn't it? They love traveling around and doing that. And they can't have that at the moment. But what I found was, was how incredibly supportive all the gyms and all the people were. They were, oh my God, that's such a good idea. How can I use that? How do I get in touch? And I've said to people, you know, like get in touch. I'm, I'm managing through this so far. If not, I might charge for certain workshops, maybe not here, but um, as long as I can, I'm not going to charge people anything at the moment. I think people have got enough to worry about. And if I can run a workshop or do something online for parents, for worry, for stress, whatever, I'm, I'm up for it. That's amazing. Have you, have you seen the reaction from our last video, from our last podcast? 
like 160 views yeah. like that. I think that's incredible. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's so nice. What is a mental block? Or what is your opinion of a mental block? And one way you would try to get over a mental block? Well, there are loads of ways, and that's the problem. And there are too many experts. So the problem is with a mental block is like, why is it there and what happens and how has it happened? That's a really big question. And it can be all sorts of reasons. And that's the problem. So you could potentially hurt yourself at one stage and go, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. That's it. I know if I do that again, I'm going to break my neck. And that's where my technique of bricks and feathers comes in. And that's, so as I go through bits, I try and give techniques for all of them. So if you have, um, if you ask a child or an adult, actually, let's not say adults aren't infallible to this one, what weighs more, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? The answer is they weigh the same. But a lot of people will say bricks because we can envision a ton of bricks. It's quite a lot. Can't envision a ton of feathers. How many households is that? I don't know, 20, 30, 10, depending on the size of the house. Can't imagine it. And your brain is hardwired to pick up a negative every single day, every single time you look around. We make at, we look for trouble because we want to make ourselves safe. It's, it's a very primal instinct of safety. So we make at all the time. Um, but we don't pick up positives. So for example, if somebody you know, comes home and says, oh, I got nine in a test today and George smacked me in the face. The parent's going to say, who the hell is George? What happened? They're not going to say, gosh, well done on your test. Tell me about George. We instinctively go for the negative. It's quite a normal thing that we do. Yeah. So what we need to encourage kids and kids and everyone to be doing, I've encouraged this, I said it at flight school last year, draw a feather. I've got a feather on the wall over there. My if I show you my screensaver on my phone has got feathers on it at the background. I've got feathers everywhere just to remind me to look for the good in every day, to look for the okayness. So if you note that you've landed 320 cartwheels, right? Let's say you have without a problem. Then on one, you hurt your wrist. What you need to keep telling your brain is, is I've done 325 versus one. I've done 325 versus one, but we don't because we haven't done that. We don't do that enough. So when somebody's struggling with something and we're still pushing them to do it, saying, here we go, here we go, here we go, um, that's not so good. So because when they feel pushed, tired, stressed, they land something badly three or four times, we keep telling them to do it for whatever reason. You know, it's, it's, it's your fault as a coach. It's my fault as somebody who says, go, 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 go. But it's not a good idea. Because there can be all sorts of reasons why people have a mental block. It could be they're really frightened. It could be that they've landed badly. It could be that they're really worried if they don't get good enough or quick enough. And there's also a level of perfectionism that comes in with a lot of people. They go into this thing that says, well, I've got to be on a level five team. Why? Who cares? You know, to be on a brilliant level one team or a brilliant level two team. I see that more than enough. One Sorry, of say that again. I see that more than enough. I want to be level five. I want to be level five. And that's what actually stunts them. And, and do you know what? It's not just athletes, it's parents. Parents, why isn't my daughter on level three? Why is she on level two? Because that's what she's good at. You know, and, and we need to create situations where kids get really good at all the skills needed for each level. You know, not just if they're a flyer, they need to do all the tumbling to do with it or be able to base it or just be able to do everything to do with it. So they can swap around in a team, they can support each other and they can work things. But if they're continuously pushed by their parents or themselves or their own idea of perfectionism, 
which really gets in the way for a lot of us, or ego. We want to be a Gabby Butler. We, we want to be someone else. That's all I want to be. Well, there's only one of them compared to thousands and thousands of other flyers. And you might know a few other names, but you won't necessarily. So what you've got to be able to do is, is do the right skill at the right time. You've got to go slower. We, to get it right and to get it really good is really important. You know, <clears throat> why are we spotting in gyms? So many people are still spotting in gyms. Stop spotting and create drills. Look at all the people that are out there teaching. You can look at um, uh, Big G tumbling camps. You can look at loads of gyms that are doing it. You look at Bear Drills. You can look at all those people that are out there. There's some brilliant people out there teaching and you. You're saying, we're all saying do drills. Yeah. Get comfortable with what you're doing again and again and again. So it becomes a natural thing for you to do. As an adult, the analogy is driving. If you get in a car and you've learned to drive, you don't even think about how you drive. It's not even conscious anymore. It becomes an unconscious competence. You yeah, don't think about it. Taking away that, taking away the hands-on approach is creating them, taking away a lot of mental blocks. Uh, I think it's, it's helping with a lot of mental blocks because they don't get them as such because it's not like, oh, well, my coach was there last time that happened or... I can always feel my coach there as such. It's now, I'm always on my own. I'm always in this big space on my own. Um, and they get used to that feeling because being an athlete and a coach, you get that, that feeling. As soon as they're stand, not standing next to you, you're literally on your own, um, which can obviously, like you say, it can either bring injury, which then brings mental block, or it can bring fear because they're on their own, which then brings the mental block in. So if you could explain... <laughs> If someone said to you, what's a mental block? What would you describe it as? You won't like this one, and most parents won't like it. It's an unconscious decision not to do what's about to happen. It's a decision. It doesn't happen out of nowhere. They're never spontaneous. They don't go, boom, I've got a mental block. I, I think we talk about mental blocks too, lot, some, too much some of the time. You know, a lot of kids say, oh, I've got a mental block. No, you haven't. I can honestly often see if something's about to go wrong, if I'm really studying a team or watching a tumbling progression or watching someone about to tumble, you can see it on their face. It's really obvious it's not gonna be okay compared to the one that's still flying even if there's one finger holding them up or they're just landing beautifully, getting it right. Of course, everyone makes mistakes, but it's an unconscious decision. You're not definitely saying, oh, I really am not gonna do this. It's an unconscious decision not to do something. And then it becomes an issue because we then start saying that we can't do it. It's not going to happen. They're very real. They're really not funny. I hope that people don't ever get one because they're not pleasant to have. Because for some people, it can take years to get over. There's a lot of people who'd be lots of celebrity type, psychology type people and, and sports coaches are going, yeah, I can cure that in a day. Let's get together. Yeah, let's do it. And, and it might help and it might help for a little while, but have you really done the work on what's going on underneath that block for whatever reason that's there? It's a form of safety. It's a safety mechanism. What your brain and your body and your sympathetic nervous system are saying to you, I can't control a lot of what's going on around me. So it depends on the reason for the mental block. So I know that's quite difficult. You keep whinging about that. Let's just pick on that back somersault. Let's go for that. And let's have some control over that. It's a way of looking for control in a way. And of course, it can be caused by an injury, as you say, by pressure, by wanting to be better than you are and going way too fast. 
by doing it a bit dodgily, when you also know that, you know that your round off isn't quite as good as that person's, you know your cartwheel, you know your walkover isn't, your feet are, you know, you've got really badly flat feet, your V's about here, your shoulders are in the wrong place, you can't finish it, your legs go all over the place, you skew with, you know when you're not okay with something and when you're really good at something. Yeah. So we'll just say, well, we're not doing this then. We're not doing it. And you freeze. And it's an unconscious decision not to do something. That's what a mental block is, really. What would your, I know same again, it's like we've just said, it's a very deep and something you have to really get into to fix one. What would be the first protocol, protocol, port of call that you'd naturally see yourself having to go to more like nine times out of 10 to fix one or to start fixing one? Back off. Back off. Stop pushing to do it. But if you back off is the first port of call for most people most of the time. Talk to someone like me, talk if you want to, talk to your coaches, but everyone needs to back off. If anything, if it's absolutely needed for the team, for their score sheet, get off the team, go to a different team. Um, stop. That's my first port of call. Stop trying to force yourself to do it. Because if you start pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and you freeze more and more and more or you do it wrong again and again and again, you are just going to end up in real trouble. You're going to end up with a worse block or potentially harming yourself or somebody else. Stop. That's one of the first things. Coaches and athletes, are you listening? (laughs) Stop pushing. Yeah, but they... It's good to be pressured and it's good to have pressure, but it... It's, it's learning that when you need to back off, right? And when, okay, they've done it 50 times now. We need to now go to number two on the list and we need to start putting that process back in to get them to where they need to or where they used to be. And then go to a place that says, I'm really glad that I've got a mental block. It's my body trying to tell me to stop something. Be grateful for it. Don't start attacking yourself. If I tell you you're a worthless piece of crap or whatever and you're horrible that's quite a shocking statement to hear why would I say that out of the blue but that's your natural response to that is how dare you how can you do that but if we've got coaches and parents saying come on you can do it you can do it you can do it you can do it you know as well as I do when someone says something to you you can you might nod but inside you're going I really can't and I think I'm gonna die and I'm really we're just pushing. So it's like, just back off. So now we need to look at why. What's going on for you? What's happened? Like, what do you think it is? Is it something else entirely? Is it to do with pressure? Is it to do with, does it represent something? Is it representing a goal? Are you allowed to succeed? You know, a lot of people have quite a lot of blocks on success. I don't really think I'm ever going to do that well. I'm never going to get on that team. And when they do, they can have a mental block over the fact that they've succeeded at something, believe it or not. People can have crazy reasons for the reason that we do anything. So it's worth thinking about that. So we have to look at it. So the sort of things that people will do is they might have been dropped. They might have a bit of an emotional pressure situation going on. You might not have done it for long enough and you try it really badly. You might have seen someone like looking at Worlds this year when you're watching. I think I saw at least two or three dislocations. I think a couple of years ago at Worlds, I definitely saw a serious bone fracture that came through the skin. The break. Milk house. Yeah. Yeah. Watching something like that, you know, you watch that and you see it happen. That's called an observational fear. You know, I don't want to do that. Most of the time, for most of our kids, is either something you've done that hurt you or hurt someone else or too much progression, too fast, too quick. You know, 
why do you want to do a, a full twist before your basic layout sorted? Why do you want to do, um, <laughs> why do you do a front tuck before you want to do a forward roll? Let's just, let's start very basically and get all your skills going up. When you, and you know as well as I do, if you've got someone on level six or 17, their level one, two or three skills are pretty negligible nowadays. They don't know how to do those things anymore because you forget. We have a go at teams who say, oh, they can do that, so they can do that at the bottom. No, they can't. They cannot. A walkover is a fundamentally different skill to a full. We know that for sure. You know that. I know that. Loads of people know that. Maybe some parents don't enough. They just think we'll do it. But then also, please, if you're a parent, don't support your kid at home. Don't encourage them to do stuff at home. The amount of things you watch and you think, oh, that's such a bad habit. And it's really hard to get out of bad habits. It's much better to learn correct technique rather than undo incorrect technique. It takes weeks or months. A hundred percent. I've always said uh, my downfall, which is to why my tumbling never reached the ability it could have done, was because I pushed myself into the higher levels, pushed myself up there, pushed myself to stunt very well. And then I was respected as, as, as a stunter, so then had to push myself to tumble better and never did. And we're like, well, I'm happy being a stunter. And then it got to the point where I was just comfortable. And now, definitely at this age, I regret it. I regret it. I wish I could tumble so much better than I can. And it's my own fault for not learning the basics. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, people will have mental blocks for a variety of reasons. And part of it is pushing. So we need to look at a team or a coach's approach or your friendship groups and your peer pressures as far as that goes. So maybe that person needs to work on it by themselves in a private continuously, not, not do it on a practice or not to do a, you know, a full out that they pull out of that for a while. The coach just needs to look at that. I'm not going to force them to do it. Let's just go backwards. You know, getting, going back to drills beforehand, go back to the skill beforehand. Do 500 of those before you go on to that. So do 500 layouts really brilliantly with just drills for a full and then go back to the full once you've done 500. But don't push it. I don't mean 500 in a week. I mean 500 in months. Go back. Go backwards. And also, you've got some really good people. You've got Coach to Hill. You've got Debbie Love. They, we all talk about the same sort of stuff. You know, you want surfaces. You you want to... You want to have a look at what you can achieve so like if you think i can't pull it on the floor well can you pull it can you pull it into a ball pit or a foam pit can you pull it into a on on three or four mats can you pull it into a tumble track can you pull it on an air track what what feels comfortable and as soon as you find the one that's not making you go oh i'm gonna wet myself that's the one you practice on you go back to the the most comfortable point where you can actually do it and do you, you repeat that so say if someone didn't get injured, say someone fell, they didn't get injured, they just fell, hit the floor quite hard, bases didn't do their jobs and catch them. Would you believe in, let's get straight back in again? Yeah, absolutely. Get up and do it again because you're trying to replace that memory immediately. I understand that they're scared. You know, I'm very much a big believer. If someone's crying on your team and they're not happy and things aren't good, cry out. You've got two minutes back on. It's really important as as long as they are not injured. If they're injured, you need to act quickly and responsibly, clearly. You've got a moral obligation and duty to do that. Yeah. But to get back up, maybe to have a quick conversation, what went wrong, who did the wrong grip, who was there, it was my fault, I stepped away. So the other thing I think about, especially if a stunt falls and you've dropped a flyer, potentially, is talk it out. So you could have a few seconds or a few minutes before it goes up again, what went wrong, who's responsible, teach your kids accountability, me, I had the wrong grip, sorry, 
slipped out my hand, whatever it is. So at least we get responsibility going and get that person to say, sorry, I've got you. I've got you now. I know you probably don't believe me. I just, I know what I've done wrong. So create an accountable, an accountable setup. So get all your kids to do that in a gym and, and get them to go again. And, and then finish. Once they've done it, once, that's it. That's fine. Just walk away. Do you believe if there wasn't an injury but to try and get back up and do whatever skill they're doing again to prevent that mental block? Like if they walk away from the situation... Yeah, if yeah. they walked away from the situation, that could produce a mental block as such. Look, it, you know as well as I do. I don't, how well did you do in your GCSEs? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I, I actually qualified to be a cheerleader because I got Bs in art and drama. <laughs> I failed okay. everything. I failed I'm really everything sorry. else. <laughs> call you out, Sam. Was there one you did really badly on? Um, yeah, science, and I thought I'd passed it. Okay. And how did you feel when you found out you failed? That was good. I was actually, yeah, I was, I was actually, because it, it, I thought I'd passed that one, it was, I just felt, I was like, oh, maybe I don't, my own judgment's not good. Yes, yeah, so you've got to yourself, don't you? I've got it wrong. I have a client ages ago who was definitely going to Oxbridge. She had a place, this, that, and the other. She needed three A stars. She walked out of every single one of her A levels and said, yeah, I've creamed that. I've got an A star. Yeah, she didn't. She got an A, A star and a B and she didn't get in. And oh, she was semi-suicidal that week. She really was. She was in a bad place when she got her results. It's devastating when we can't manage things or do things. And that stays in your brain and it's really dangerous. So much so that particular client has gone on to not go to Oxbridge or even do a degree. She went straight into work. She couldn't face that path at all really couldn't and she's got lots of different underlying underlying conditions for different reasons and anyone I talk about by the way I have full permission to talk about so sometimes people say how can you use clients examples it's called pocket clienting and I ask all my clients if that's okay and if they say no then clearly I don't so I have full permission and consent just so you know that so when we get into that stage it's really dangerous for us because if you don't put a good memory over the top do do you feel that uh, that leads perfectly straight into the next the next section that the fear of failure could also be a reason for mental blocks yeah absolutely so people have a fear of failure for lots of different reasons so the sort of things it can be it can be perfectionism so a failure is so terrible and such an awful thought such a humiliating thing to think of that there's no way you're even going to do it i used to do this with essays when i've been writing my masters or I think I've got about eight postgraduate qualifications. No, seven and a half. I stopped one during cancer. So I've got a lot of these. My fear is never being clever enough. So when people attack me, I don't care if you attack me about the way I look, the way I think, um, the way I feel, uh, hair. I don't care about a lot of things. Gender, sexuality. I don't care what you attack me on on that. You can say what you love. I really care if you tell me I'm stupid because that's my childhood pattern. Never being, always having to get to the next level to be good enough. So a pattern from childhood can have a real issue, especially if children haven't learned how to overcome the emotional wave of not being okay. We need distress tolerance. If you've got a kid um, that's a little bit too confident, falsely, you know, full of this as well, yeah, no, I can do it. I can do it. That's a really fragile ego. So, you know, but I'm not doing that. Can you do it? Yeah, I can. <laughs> it's not really true. It's, it's a full sense of, of ego and everything else as well. So also, if 
if you've personalized failure all of your life and you put it into your system and make sure that that's the way it is, you just think, well, it's not worth it. There's not a growth opportunity there. I'm not going to do it because I'm used to failure. Therefore, that's what I'm going to do. And that can have a real impact on all of us as well. So therefore, of the main ways that 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 fear of failure might hit us in, in different ways. And if, if you join a gym that's really successful as well, what you might find is if you've got a gym who's consistently doing well, you might find some kids won't join it, even if they're really good because they're too frightened of letting someone down or not managing it. When a gym grows its own and they grow into that, that's okay. If you've got different techniques and there's a gym that maybe nicks a few people from here or people leave here, you know, both things happen and they still do. Um, those kids might not do so well in that new environment because it's about the culture and the environment that's different for people. Yeah. So if we have a, a culture of perfection rather than saying, I don't care, it's fine. As long as you say, it doesn't matter. It's just, yeah, it's just fun. Let's have a laugh. Like, so that sort of thing. So you can get a really unhealthy culture and, and cheer is a really unhealthy culture. You read the uni forum. Christ, are we horrible to each other? Oh, I stay away from the forums all the forums I stay away from all of those it's shocking how horrible we are to each other as, as a group of human beings it's just not good so i think we need to look at that so another one if you can hear me and this yeah. is working now is if we keep missing out on something just by a little bit all the time that can make us really frightened of failure as well oh i'm always the one i'm always the one left standing i'm never going to get a partner i'm never going to be happy and we get people stuck in that victim mentality of i'm never going to be okay so then they won't try not because they believe that they'll fail but they're frightened of succeeding and proving themselves wrong so it's the opposite way around so well i don't want to do that because that will prove the last six or seven or eight or ten or twenty or thirty years of my life wrong so a lot of people so invested in where they are don't want to break out of it so they won't try so that's quite an interesting one as well that can happen sometimes especially in in families and different situations but and if you're like if you've got a mum who's a doctor and a father who's a dentist and you know your brother's a qualified lawyer and your sister is a i don't know whatever an instagram hit or whatever the pressure on you the next one coming yeah man, pretty hard as well so we can get really frightened of failure around that as well what and it just becomes a friend what would, you, what would you think that your first two go to not fixes but how can we deal with um the fear of failure if someone has that fear of failure from whatever like the ones you've described or whatever reason surrounds that fear of failure is it is it positive self-talk is it is it something from an app like me? I, I'm a person who I like to be patted on the back. Yeah, well, I'm going to say the opposite to you. And I'm going to say, go and fail. Go and try something that you will fail at. Like recently in America, um, we played top golf. I played top golf as a human being. Oh my God, I can't hit that ball. I mean, oh, I can't hit it. And they were laughing at me and they were recording me and you join in in the failure. Learn that failure is okay. You will live through it. Like if you're agoraphobic, your fear is I'm not going to, I can't go outside. I can't. Jesus, if you're pushed in, pushed in these circumstances and you go outside, then you're okay. If you're frightened of spiders, if you've got a phobia and you're trapped in a room with them, you'll live probably and you'll get over your phobia. If you've got an innate fear of failure, go and practice it. Go and realize that you'll be okay and you'll manage and nothing awful will happen. 
Look at where it comes from. Where did that start? Attach it to those four main reasons that I said about why were they there and learn to be okay with it. Totally accept because that you're okay. Do you know, Walt Disney was once fired from a job. He was, uh, he was working for a newspaper before he was Walt Disney himself. Well, he wasn't, wasn't creative enough, was he? Creative enough. There you go. It's a classic. So that sort of thing. So, so many people, Steve Jobs, other people, all of these people, you can visualize and use all of those techniques we've just said. The first most important one, though, however, is just to accept that it's okay to fail and go and practice it. Yeah. Don't practice living through it. So the emotional wave that comes from that, it's a bit like giving birth. Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I'm not okay. No, I'm really not okay. I can't. Oh my God. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, and yes, I can actually. And I'm okay. And it's fine. When women give birth, there's this tiny window on the top called transition where they're probably screaming for drugs. I think I screamed for a lot of things at that time. You're blaming people. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then the urge to push hits. And when the urge to push hits, the I can't do it goes out the window. And if anything is stopping you saying, don't push, don't push, don't push, wait, wait, wait. If we can learn to get over that window, which is where most of us cut it off, that's what we do. We slice it off with anxiety, stress, depression, mental blocks, everything else as well. Because I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, and you can. So learning to fail, go and practice failing at something. Seriously, one of the best things you could ever do. Have a laugh. Go and try a new sport. The problem is a lot of people I know um, go out and if they're pretty good cheerleaders, they're pretty good at everything. They can ski, they can ice skate, they can do gymnastics, they can bowl, they can do golf, they can do football a little bit. They're pretty good all round. So do something you're not good at. Try and draw a picture or a painting and be pleased with the result that you've got practice not being good at something go and do a math quiz or a spelling competition if you're not good if you're very good at sports and other things learn to fail learn to be okay with it because it'll just help reduce look at what's going on look at the past and why have a look at that and then you can use something called Socrates questioning which is well then what so Socrates questioning just takes you into a place where you say so what so one of my clients had a real fear of the tube. When we, it, this took months to work through. It sounds really simple. It sounds like we did it in two seconds. It didn't. Um, it wasn't in closed spaces. It was to do with exposure for all sorts of different reasons. I'm not going to go into her reasons. They're no one else's business as such for this. But basically it, it came down to if she were to fall or knock herself out on the tube, this is a real true fear that if she fell and she was exposed in some way, like underwear or something horrendous, and this was cultural as well for her, that, you know, if that got on social media and everything else as well, she would never live through the shame. But when we really got down to it and worked it through and you just sock to your question of, well, then what, then what, then what? How likely is that to happen? Would someone really photograph that? Yeah, probably. People aren't particularly pleasant a lot of the time. Most of us are nice most of the time, thankfully. Um, when we really got to it, the worst case scenario for her was even if she cracked her head and she ended up in hospital, she'd still be back home. If, you, if you're frightened of breaking your leg, you would still be back at some point. If you see it all the way through to the end, then what, then what, then what, then what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Do you know what? We're all living right now the worst that's going to happen. You can't cheer. That's it. It's gone. It's not. We're finding different ways of doing it, aren't we? We're using Zoom. We're contacting each other. Like, so 
joining in with Kenny and Lisa the other day, that's a really good example of that, where hundreds of people come together with one goal of how do I keep my gym together? How do I keep these kids motivated? And the kids came up more than the business worries. Kids are seen like our family, like we love them, don't we? Like when you work with kids, I love all the kids I work with, they're amazing. Different gyms, different people, different areas. I develop a real affection for these human beings. I want them to be okay. And that's what the majority of these people talking yesterday were all saying, how can I make these kids' lives okay? Because cheer is part of that. Yeah. We're already living the worst. If you're worried about mental block, it's because you can't do cheer. Well, guess what? You can't do cheer. You can still go, you can still go to a gym, you can still be involved, you can do everything. So there are hundreds of techniques that you can use and that's another problem. There are too many. So often we get involved with too many ways and saying, oh gosh, what do I do? So yeah, your, your top three, if we were gonna put it into like a list for mental blocks, you would go back off, Yeah, find, I would. The, find the why, yeah. and then create a plan even if that means going back to the beginning. Yeah, I would. Even if it means not doing anything, do something else you're good at. Like, I don't mean leave cheer. Please don't leave cheer. Don't leave gymnastics. Don't leave tumbling. That is not a good ethos for you to develop in your head. But go backwards a little bit and go and do something else you're good at. If you're really good at golf, which clearly I am not, go and practice hitting a golf ball. Have a good fun. Get that feeling back and the passion so you remember that actually you can be good at things. If you're really good at drawing, do a bit of art. If you're really good at singing, go sing. Go and do something else you're good at. Find your own way that's right for you. Or speak to people like me, you, other people that are out there. There are hundreds of us out there. Do something that you really like. And then your fear of failure, you're like, if it was a list as such, it kind of sounds the same as a mental block, but... It's not the same, just different wording, really. You'd say, yeah. like, for the fear of failure, positive self-talk, um, maybe back off from it. Um, Go and practice failing. That's what I would say. Go and practice failing. Realise that you will live through that emotional wave of fear and panic. You know, sometimes when a kid's having a panic attack, I can give you all sorts of, maybe that's something we could talk about next week. I can give you so many methods for kids with panic attacks that will get your kid out of it. I can get a person out of a panic attack on average in under two minutes, less than that half the time. That sounds really flash, doesn't it? That's not some weird big headed thing. That's knowing and developing systems that work with the brain. There are many that we could go through. So if you know that a child can live through something or an athlete or a human or an adult can live through something, if we know we'll be okay, then we'll be okay. And if you teach that to somebody, when you're really worried about failing, what you need to learn is to fail because you'll realize that, oh, I'm still okay and I'm pushing through it. Yeah, I was going to say, so then the third one on that list would be um, realizing that at the end of it, you're going to be okay. Yeah, and with positive talk to yourself, watch it if you don't believe it. Because we can say stuff like, whoa, yeah, I'm in, I can, I'm really good. And if inside you're saying, and I'm really not. If there's too much of a contradiction between those two, don't do the positive stuff. Because with meditation and other things and things that we do in positive self-talk, what can happen is the bad stuff rises to the top. You know, people always say the cream always rises to the top. So does the scum. Watch both. All right. I will see you next week and I'm really looking forward to it. I'll see you next week. See you later, Deb. Thank you. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Steb will be coming back on every week to talk about mindset.
Sorry, I, I know you can notice I just hung this picture up while you were listening to that episode. People who are on, uh, who can't see, so listeners, I've just hung a picture up of one of my uniforms. Team England 2016, and it has one of my beautiful little medals with it. Keep tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on Podbeam to listen to the audio and also on my YouTube. I'll be bringing you two to three videos a week. Everything to do with cheer, nutrition, mindset, managing your club, whatever I can get to talk to you about on this podcast. So please subscribe. Please keep tuning in and I will keep bringing you awesome content. Peace. Much love. I've been Sam Thompson, you guys have been amazing, and this is Coffee with Sam podcast, bringing you the missing pieces in your cheerleading world. Cheerleading world, guys!